Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The Eucalyptus Fiber Upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And, because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. You're listening to Castrol CarCast on Podcast One. Hurry into the Dodge Big Finish event for great deals all month long on some of America's greatest muscle cars. That's the new holiday greeting in Santa's workshop, and it's not the only big change this year. Santa's got a shredded six-pack, and the vending machine is filled with protein bars and muscle nog. He's even upgrading his ride to a snow-burning muscle sleigh, like the Dodge Charger, America's only four-door muscle car with all-wheel drive. But it has to be functional like the Durango, the most technologically advanced, fuel-efficient, and powerful V8 in its class. And loaded with horsepower, like the Challenger's most affordable V8 in its class, Santa wants his sleigh to really fly. So it's goodbye, jolly fat man. Hello, jolly fast man. Ho, ho, go! Sorry, reindeer. Hurry in for great deals at the Dodge Big Finish event. Based on 2019 Ward's Miss Export Utility Vehicle Segment, available VA. Based on Ward's Middle Specialty Segment, Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Hey guys, welcome to Castrol CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator, DeAndre. We got Bill Goldberg on the phone. And of course, oh, Cap- oh, oh. Castrol is brought to you guys by uh, by Dodge. Hurry in to find great deals at the Dodge Big Finish sales event. And Continental Belts, get the full story at, at oetechnologyseries.com. Man, uh, wrapping up, end of the year, loving your social media videos, all kinds of Dodge stuff. I Again, I didn't realize you guys did so many little spin-off versions of it um they're uh they're 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 fantastic and just by the way small world in that uh kurt russell did a netflix movie where he's a santa claus and he drives uh i think a challenger <laughs> in the movie no way. like a hellcat challenger in the movie because he's like a santa claus and, like loses his sleigh and the whole time he's like i don't know why they keep depicting me as a fat guy <laughs> And he goes, Santa's not <laughs> fat. And uh, and his whole shtick is like how he makes fun of the sort of the cartoon Santa being fat and uh and uh and he drives a and he drives a Hellcat. Um so that was foreshadowing. <laughs> it was yeah, just kind of it was actually it was actually pretty good. I watched it uh with my my family over the uh over the Thanksgiving break, but now I started seeing promoted everywhere. So something about uh the slim buff Santa is in these days. I'm bringing him back, dude. You know, it started with Santa's Sleigh in 2005, and uh, slowly but surely, he's, he's coming back. Yeah. Uh, 
give me shade. Man. What's up? He's a V8 guy, too. So, you know, you gotta love that. Yeah. Except I got to do a little caveat here. Santa Claus is, is, is still writing his list out because I don't have my red eye yet. Yeah, what's going on? I mean, you know, it's been a week since we checked in, but uh, uh, it was supposed to be this month, right? Yes, yes, I got some. Un- Santa Claus, unfortunately, got some bad news. But, uh, you know, here's the deal. Um, life's too short to, to, you know, worry about the small things. So uh, I'm going to get the thing eventually, and uh, I'm not going to bitch and moan about it not being here today or tomorrow or in a week. So um, it's all good, man. It's all good. I'm uh, I'm turning over a new leaf. The the calm the calm Goldberg. Yeah, that's oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that, that hit you like a ton of bricks, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and you're going what the, what the hell's going on in Goldberg's head right now? <laughs> eh, you know. It's calming down with age, I think. Just getting up there. You got a birthday coming up, buddy. You're going to get a red eye for your birthday? I don't even want to talk about that, man. You know, <laughs> uh, yeah, birthday. birthday another, another year older. Hey, let's talk about the you and Alistair talking me into that Range Rover. And uh, fortunately, the show's not hidden for a couple hours. So my wife's not going to hear this until hopefully the damn car gets here. But it should be here today, man. Uh, early Christmas present for my wife. Oh, nice. Which which Range Rover did you end up getting? That 2012, the Blackout Edition, uh, uh, HSE or HRE. Uh, HSE, yeah, the big one. So you get H- the full HSE, size. HSE, the big one, supercharged uh, 3.0, I think. Okay. Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, hey, we went back and forth with the number of options, number of years, and you know, you you know me. At the end of the day, I'm I'm going to let the the other person uh, take the initial hit on the car. So I don't like buying things brand new unless they're special edition releases, and um, let somebody else take the hit on the car. It's got seven thousand miles, and we're gonna we're gonna drive the hell out of it. Have some fun. You know, that that's actually a, a good point. I've been, I don't know why, but I've been like, you know, I'm selling the Alfa Romeo. I sold it. It hasn't been picked up yet. Uh, and I'm, you know, I'll be driving the Mustangs and all kinds of sporty cars. And I got the M3, which is, which are all fun. It's a little tough to drive. You know, the, it's got a heavy clutch. You sit in traffic. And I was like, what could be kind of a fun, kind of nice everyday car? And I was like, well, I kind of like a coupe. And I was like, I like the bigger coupes. Um, it doesn't have to be a stick. I'd prefer it, but you know, if it, if it was not as heavy as the clutches in the M3 and I was like, you know what? A car that I liked was I liked the Mercedes CL, which is the big coupe before. Now we have an mm-hmm. S class coupe, but before that we had a CL coupe and like the 2011 through 2014. Now I haven't done the research as to the quality or maintenance issues with this car. So if anybody had a CL or knows about the CLs, let me know. But a CL, they had a, like a CL 500. They had a CL 63, which is the AMG V8, and the CL 65, which is the 12. I'm not interested in the 12, but I am interested in a CL 63. And and talk about <laughs> buying. Who wouldn't be? Yeah, but talk about buying a, a car used. These cars, depending on the option, were like one hundred and seventy, one hundred seventy-five thousand, up to two hundred thousand dollars with carbon fiber and all the stuff. Like it, it's almost a two hundred thousand dollar coupe. You can find them used with fifty thousand miles on them for less than fifty thousand bucks for well, yeah, forty-seven, let's all, let's forty-nine thousand bucks. About- 
talk about what I what I questioned you about about the McLaren or that Lambo. That's right. We a were texting mine, earlier. A buddy yeah. mine's in the market for one, and he sure as hell ain't going to go out and have to pay you know a sticker for it because somebody else did. They took the hit, and you know he's buying it at half price. Yeah, it's a two two three year old car. Uh, I and I think I think that's a good idea. It's um, uh, I'm curious to find out which. So uh, you're right. A friend of mine bought. He bought it, drove it for a while, and then had to sell it. But he had a, a the McLaren, the MP4 12C, the first gen mm-hmm. McLaren, which I drove, and it's fantastic. Uh, he got it for a song and had some fun with it. You know, sold it and bought something else later. Bought like a Ferrari 308 or something. But, um, but yeah, I mean, where you can go in the used car market. Uh, is impressive. You're right. So maybe maybe something like uh, the McLaren for your buddy. Does has he decided you know, five seventy or six fifty or or which which version? He he really hasn't decided yet. I, I to me it's all com- it's completely dependent upon the amount of track time and yeah. how serious he really wants to get with it because you can plug and play you know upgrades to that car just like any other car. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to be a little bit more expensive. Yeah, but uh, it, it, it you know it. You know, it's just, it depends upon what you're doing with it. And, um, fortunately or unfortunately, we, myself and my friends, and you are getting up there, you know, we're reaching an age where driving vehicles is different, taking into consideration where they're going. And let's have some, it's time to have some fun with them. So the options are huge. The used car market out there is, is, it has a plethora of options, whether it be the CL63 or mm-hmm. whether it be the, the McLaren, whatever it may be. It's so it's so such a great time for guys like us. Yeah, so I, I, I'm interested in that. If anybody's got input on the CL, please let me know. I'm curious to know if anybody's owned them. What do they think? Maintenance issues? Uh, maybe you can get one. Maybe I can buy like an extended warranty if that makes sense. Uh, I'm not really sure, but anyway, it just I came across. An, I sold an S600 one time because it needed a uh, uh, master seal, and it was going to be twenty five hundred bucks to get to get to it. Yeah. Oh, that that makes sense too. Yeah, I I haven't done the research on it, but I was just looking at the car, and I was like, I was looking around. I found one was like forty seven grand, and you know the sticker on it was like one eighty with whatever options were in it. It looked good. Um, it was it was like the it was kind of like a matte white with like a designo black interior. Like it was fantastic. It looked great. And I, I don't mind that generation of of you know the interior and stuff. I, I don't. It doesn't really matter to me if it's got all the fancy backup cameras and all that stuff. I know what I'm getting. I I, I know what is. I, I know what that generation of vehicle is, and and what the rules were back then as far as. And it's a safe bet. You know, you're not going to overheat. You're well, hopefully, knock on wood. You're, yeah. You know, you're not going to do the things that these other vehicles unfortunately do to us from time to time. It's still got a good style to it too. I mean, you clean it up. You can even put a set of wheels on it. You roll up anywhere in that thing, and they're going to think it's a it's it's a pretty pretty new car. So I was thinking about that. To your point on the McLaren, now I can't exactly say for which models it was, but McLaren does a thing where they have sort of a like an air ride suspension, and they're able to control uh, each corner individually without the use of sway bars and it gave the car more control because a sway bar you know attaches to both basically let's say your front suspension it attaches to the front control arms and to the chassis and and when when you get into a turn it, one side pushes down on the other 
and effectively one side needs to contribute to the other side because the you know because the sway bar I'm simplifying it of course but the sway bar is controlled to both sides and McLaren said we don't want to do that we want to control each side individually so um, I think the first gen the MP4 had no sway bars um, and I think the 650 has that no sway bar technology. However, to save a little bit of money, I believe the 570 does have a more conventional sway bar. So uh, when your buddy is shopping around and you mentioned he wants to track the car, um, there could be plus or minuses to either one of those. If he wants That's to, the problem. <laughs> right. If he wants to, let's say, modify the sway bars or if the aftermarket has sway bars for the 570 that are more track-oriented, then maybe that's a way he wants to go. If not, and you want to let just McLaren McLaren handle the performance from the factory, then maybe the 650 is the way to go. So it's just one of the things to look at. It, it, it might not well, yeah, be on the 650, but I think You also have to take into consideration his wallet. You know, I mean, well, is that, he a of guy that wants well. to go out and just spend whatever he's got to spend to have fun? as many times as he deems necessary? Or is he a guy that can go out and have fun dependent upon what it's going to cost him to run? Right. You and know? then so, is he going to modify the car? Because he may say, hey, I'm going to save a few bucks by getting the 570, but I want to do this and this and this to it, and that's thirty grand because <laughs> it's, it's McLaren. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, ECU tune in, a, in, a, in an exhaust system is probably thirty <laughs> grand, right? So, yeah. like, where are you on price? But, you know, I... but. That's kind of the fun. I think that's part of the fun, right? Is sort of shopping around and doing the comparison no and maybe trying one or two of them and see what you like and see what's comfortable, see what you fit in and uh, and things like that. So um, uh, that actually brings up uh, a driving car. So um, I've got uh, I've got we spoke about the Genesis, the G seventy. They have a G70, an 80, and a 90. It's sort of like a 3-series, 5-series, and 7-series. And the G70 is getting all the rave right now. It's the newest version. So uh, it's not exactly scheduled. I don't know the dates, but I got a G70 coming in to test to see how we like that. Um, and uh, and I saw the email this morning. We You're going to be ch- checking out the Raptor because you know I drove it. I drove it over medians here on Santa Monica Boulevard <laughs> and stuff. And uh, um but uh, you spoke to our buddy Jason at Ford, and he's going to hook you up with a with a Raptor in January, right? I wonder if he's seen my property. I don't think he has. And it's funny because I sent him an email and I said, hey, man, you've been hearing the show. You like it. Uh, thank you so much. Um, we really want to start getting Bill into some of these press cars. And I said, this is where he lives. And he wrote back and he goes, yeah, let's be pretty selective on what cars we send there. He goes, because that's a haul. <laughs> and I said, fair <laughs> well, enough. I'm fair not enough. talking about it's a haul. I live in God's country. You guys are the ones that live in the middle of hell. Right, so, but yeah, his it, car collection. Haul, but but here's my question is, does he know the, the topography? Does he know geographically where I live? Because I have trails all around my house. I'm not going to be hitting curbs. I'm going to be jumping them in that thing. Oh, so, you don't even I'm have to, saying. like you said, yeah, you don't even have to leave the property. On your own property, you can just, you have basically like a like a short course, 
trophy truck oh, yeah. <laughs> track <laughs> on the property. And I'm not too concerned about uh, you driving the, the thing. It's just, I don't know, like, if, if Wanda's going to drive it, then I've got concerns. <laughs> oh, she's going to drive the hell out of it. Uh, I, she's going to love it. And here's the problem is you're going to end up buying one of these things. <laughs> well, I, it's going to have to be a pretty, uh, pretty um, capable beast to out to dethrone her F two fifty turbo diesel, which obviously is in the same family. Right. Now keep know, in mind what but, happened the last time I tr- brought a truck down there, right? Uh, it was the two fifty yeah. turbo diesel yeah. and you had to buy yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all good. She loves that truck, so um I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't let her drive it. <laughs> right, good luck. Good luck. Remember I'm get I remember the Range Rover is supposed to show up today, so hopefully she won't even see the truck. Yeah. So what made you decide on the Range Rover over the G-Wagon that you were talking about? Is it because the G-Wagon's uh, ugly? <laughs> well, fortunately, she came to her, her senses. And she's um, like, the G-Wagon's yeah. dumb? <laughs> you know what? Um, I'm just going to say it. And, I, you know, you guys might think I'm a pushover, but you keep your wife happy and yeah. you, you have a very happy life. So if she wanted the G-Wagon, I was going to get her a G-Wagon. Sure. Um, I'm just I'm thankful that she she came to her senses um i i just think the car is it's just it's not worth that much money by any stretch of imagination to be an extension of your penis but i did i say that out loud <laughs> i'm sorry where's um, our blue i, I really at? believe that i, I mean it's a, hey it's a great looking truck um yeah. if you've got the money to toss out then yeah that's perfect but you're not throwing you know four kids and and a dog in the back seat of the damn thing so yeah yeah, that's a good point. Um, well, you can, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't allow it. I wouldn't <laughs> allow it. And that's what the trucks. That's what the vehicle's going to be used for. So it has to be practical. Um, you know, in the end, whether I have eighty cars or six cars, they, there has to be a reason to have it here and a logical reason. So mm-hmm. um, I couldn't find one for the G wagon. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we were talking about uh, the Raptor as well, and I've been reading more about the Ranger Raptor. And uh, I'm not going to bury the lead here. From what I understand, it's not going to be available in the U.S. I don't know what that means. Like, I don't mean, like, like initially, is it not going to be in the U.S.? Or at all, it's not going to be in the U.S.? It seems like we've That's got enough garbage. people out here to say, yeah, we should... There's probably a market for it. Um, they haven't really like officially released the Ranger, so I guess they kind of have to see how that will do before they uh, before they announce a Ranger Raptor out here. But they're they're in other parts of the country and they're starting to be tested, like in Australia. And I know it's a smaller truck and it has you know it has it needs to fit that niche. Um, don't compare compare it to a full size uh, Raptor. Just compare it to you know, the Ranger and, and its capability. And it's the same thing with the Fox shocks and capable suspension. And it's meant to be sort of a high speed kind of pre-runner almost uh, in the sense that um, from what I understand that that suspension is kind of dialed into like, you know, hit, hit, hit moderate bumps and stuff off road at, you know, a hundred miles an hour. So um, I'm hearing some pretty Danger. cool things. Danger. <laughs> yeah. I'm hearing some pretty cool things about it. Um, that being said, uh, I saw the Ranger at the LA Auto Show. It looks good. Um, I, I think there is a market for for that, you know, compact pickup truck, uh, small pickup truck kind of thing. And 
you know, the Toyota Tacoma has been seem to be doing well for so long. I'm not sure where the Tacoma is right now. I, I heard that uh, the previous gen is actually a little better than the current one, but uh, but it looks good. And um, boy, talk about used car market. You get a CL63 for you know a one-fourth the price of, of sticker when it was new, but not those little Tacomas, man. They seem to be holding their value. And maybe it's just, I don't know if it's just a good reputation or it's because there's not a lot of options out there. But the the Ranger hopefully is a, is going to be a pretty nice little option. But um, it looked good at the LA Auto Show. They had a couple versions there and a couple like uh, modified versions. Um, you know, I don't know if it's directly from the Ford Performance catalog, but uh, sort of SEMA versions that they had, and uh, it was it was pretty cool to see. I'm interested in definitely trying it out. Um, our guy at Ford said uh, they won't be available until the press fleet until at least January or February, and I know everybody's going to be wanting them. Um, every every magazine and, and and book out there, so we'll we'll get on a list for it at some point and just try it out. Um, but this is what we do know: the uh, the fuel economy specs have come out on this, and um, uh, the the Ranger basically is one engine that we know of right now. It's a turbocharged. 2.3 liter four cylinder, but don't let the four cylinder, um, uh, you know, dissuade you from from this thing. It's 270 horsepower. It's 310 pound feet of torque. It's mated to the 10 speed automatic transmission, similar to what we've seen in the Mustang and the and the uh, Raptor. And uh, from what we hear, it is Ford is telling us that the two wheel drive versions will do 21 miles per gallon city, 26 highway, 23 combined. So 21, 26, 23. Four-wheel drive is 20 city, 24 highway, 22 combined. Uh, so uh, I don't know. Seems seems decent. I don't know. Anything over 20 to me seems seems pretty good. Uh, uh, I, I guess it depends on can you keep your foot out of it. But it's um, it seems pretty pretty comparable to – the competition with their V6 engines. So the turbocharged four seems to be doing it well, but um, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not sure if you've seen the the Rangers or if it's even something you can get in physically. Hey, yeah. That's, <laughs> I, I just gloss right over that, that market. Yeah. But it, 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 I can see it though. There's a market for it. Like if, if you're in LA and uh you know, you want something that you can drive around the city and parallel park and get into parking garages and not to worry too much about it. But also you need to move some stuff around and maybe it's not your your job to move stuff around. But maybe you, you know, you head out to the desert, you do a little camping, you, you haul stuff around here to car parts around like I do. Um, it, it seems like a, an interesting option. But uh, gave me a kind of you, you, you listed off a number of reasons to look at the Gladiator. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, the uh the Jeep. Um which I went back to the auto show after we talked about it last week. I went back over there and looked at it again and um when I was there for the press days they had some some celebrity vehicles and stuff in the booth and they kind of moved the booth around and shifted things around a little bit and uh I got a little bit closer look and sort of some of the modified like Mopar versions of the Gladiator and uh you know with the tubular doors and you know not the regular doors on there and the glass folds down it's still very much a Jeep which could be cool right like if you want the Gladiator uh you are a Jeep fan and this is kind of an interesting version. The bed isn't very deep. 
Um, so it, it it's not – I guess I couldn't compare it apples to apples with the Ranger. I, I don't know how deep the, the bet is on the Ranger. But on the Gladiator, it seemed like it wasn't quite as deep. So uh, you're still going to be kind of limited on what you're going to be able to, to put in it. Like, you know, if you're stacking it up or if you wanted to turn it into a hot tub for some reason. Um, did you get – did you see the interior? Yeah, and the interior is very much Jeep to me. Um, uh, you know, the hard top version. Um, again, I'm not a huge Jeep person, so I don't know what to really expect with the Jeep. But I saw they had several there without the top on them, so they're big four door pickup truck convertibles, if you will. And then I saw the one with the hard top on it, like the plastic hard top, which is removable. And you know, uh, th- there wasn't any like headliner or anything. It's just kind of plastic. So my thought was maybe this is the way Jeeps are. Again, I, I'm not into Jeeps that much. Like I haven't really spent much time in them or have driven the new ones. Um, but I was thinking, you know, it's probably got some noise, probably some Come road on, noise. Man. I picture you driving down the five in a camoed up eight inch lifted Jeep with giant nittos on it. Well, look, if maybe if I was stone cold, Steve Austin, if I was that little redneck, <laughs> I'd, I'd be doing it. Um, by the way, he posted. I love Steve. He's he's a he's a he's a follower of of both of our social media, and he comments like on on the images that I put up because he's he he is a car guy and he's a good dude. But he's always just like out in the forest somewhere with like camouflage shorts and a camouflage shirt and a camouflage hat. Um, but his shorts, and then he just has like white tennis shoes on, and and so I I picture I was like if I was like all I see in this picture is a pair of calves and shoes. <laughs> making fun of all of his camouflage. <laughs> but, cry with uh, but he's, he's, I, uh, I, I, again, am following him in his footsteps. I'll be at the shot show in January in Vegas <laughs> with my, with my new camo line, for God's sake. With the camo go. line, he'll probably be there hawking one of his knives, one of his broken skull go. knives or something. You guys have a good time. He was just texting me this morning saying, what's up? How are you guys? Um, my question is, 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 you know, in looking at the interior, was there access to the bed from the, from inside? Well, um, that's a good question. Uh, I I don't know what access there is with the top on it um, because the top had sort of the – the, the rear uh, sliding window, like on an F-150. Um, but obviously, uh-huh. the top comes off, so it turns into a big convertible. So in theory, yeah, it's 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 a pickup truck with a roll cage and, and removable doors. Like, you can just take everything off, the top, the doors, everything. I'm just wondering if, like, in the back seat, you know, lower floor area, when the top's on, do you have access to the to the pickup? Yeah, that's a good question. I think I think if the top is off and you're sitting in the back seat, you could definitely just turn around. Well, that's logic. You yeah. can turn around and reach and in just there, reach but, in there. You know, with but since what, it's such a small bed, there are a lot of people that would use it to camp and stuff like that. So my my that's my question. Yeah, you know, they could turn it into something that they could put their feet in. I guess. Listen, if, I, if, I, I'm sure. You know, because we know the Jeep is like one of the most modified vehicles on the planet, someone is going to make a hard top that covers both the the cockpit and the bed, and they're going to make an SUV out of it. It's yeah. right because it's a removable plastic hard top. So why not like just make one that's five feet longer? To, you yeah. know, like a, a, a blazer, like one of the old fully removable top ones. Yeah, because it's got like a five foot bed on it. So why not just make the big plastic hard top that's five feet longer? Yeah, right. Makes and sense. and I'm sure I'm sure that would actually be a pretty cool uh, option. And so I'm 
I don't I don't know who who does that Lund or somebody. It's, being it's probably already on it. It's probably already being on it. You know, don't and, think and, it's not. And by the way, we we love the guys at SEMA, and they have the SEMA garage over there, and they always pick a couple cars a year, and they have like like a they'll bring in like a prototype car, like something like this Jeep, which isn't available yet. They'll call Jeep and say, "Can you send us one?" And make it available to any of the aftermarket manufacturers for a measuring session. They'll put it in the SEMA garage. Yep. They'll scan it with the ferro arm. They'll allow the engineers to go in there and measure stuff and get you know start making CAD specs and stuff. So the aftermarket can develop products for it. So it wouldn't surprise me if we got the email at some point saying, uh, you know, coming up soon next month. You know, we got the Jeep. Uh, you know, we got the Jeep Gladiator in the SEMA garage available for a, a measuring session. You know, um, it, it, which would be a good idea. Um, so, well, yeah, it was pretty I wouldn't, cool. I wouldn't let it be available until the said manufacturer does their own <laughs> advance. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because um, that was one of the things they were pushing was at the LA Auto Show is the Mopar catalog is already full of a bunch of parts. So when they had the Gladiator there, they had several versions with lots of different modifications and LED lights and, the like I said, the removable doors with the roll bar versions or whatever they're called for them. So um, Mopar's all over that, uh, which is genius business plan for them, right? Just certainly makes sense. Um, all right, before we move on, I'm going to tell you guys about uh, uh, Continental Belt. If you think of all the weird things that you find in cars, I'm not talking about garden variety petrified french fries or melted crayons. I'm talking about live snakes, bizarre trinkets, and the kind of stuff that just makes you about wonder, makes you wonder about, folks. Well, another thing that will make you wonder, but in a good way, are Continental Belts. I bet you didn't know they're OE in tens of millions of Chrysler, Dodge, Ford, and GM vehicles that roll off the assembly line. They're also OE in a majority of BMWs and VWs. Now, Continental is launching the aftermarket multi-V belt with the OE pedigree. It's their OE technology series of belts. These belts are fanatically engineered for perfect fit, form, and function. And Continental has an OE Technology Series Multi-V belt for 98% of the vehicles on the road in the U.S. and Canada. So listen, you got enough surprises working on your cars and trucks already, so a belt shouldn't be one of them. Go with the Continental OE Technology Series Multi-V belt, the belt with the OE pedigree. To get the full story, visit oetechnologyseries.com. Um, okay, so... There's a bunch of stuff happening in the news, um, and uh, I, I sent you some of this stuff. But one of the things I, I didn't get a chance to send to you ahead of time, Bill, was I am interested in this new Aston Martin supercar called the Valkyrie. Um, I'm not sure what their love affair is with V-words, Vantage, Farage, you know, um, uh, and, and so on and so forth. But this is a, a new supercar from Aston Martin. It's basically Aston Martin has a lot of racing pedigree, to use that word again. It's funny. I was having this conversation with somebody the other day where it's like Lamborghini doesn't really, and I think it kind of hurts Lamborghini's value of vintage cars. Uh, and uh, But Aston Martin has some racing pedigree. So Aston Martin is saying, if we're going to do another supercar, like – the 177 or something, 
why don't we just start pulling more from our racing teams and see what we can do? So they're basically taking like an LMP1 car and putting a license plate on it and turn signals. And they're saying, let's start with that technology. Let's see if we can make a cool race car out of it. And, uh, and that's essentially what they're building with the, um, with the Valkyrie, which is going to be pretty interesting. Um, they're working with, uh, with Michelin on some crazy tires, and it's going to have, I don't know, 265 35s in the front, 325 30 21s in the rear. Um, uh, it's going to be kind of this crazy-looking car, very racing-oriented, very futuristic. But the part that I'm impressed with is they're teaming up with Cosworth, to build the engine and 11,000 RPM. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I want one. Yeah. So the idea is, <laughs> so it, it, it will, it will have a hybrid drivetrain like we've seen in the, in the McLaren P1 and, uh, and the LaFerrari and, you know, the, the use of 918 Porsche, the use of hybrid technology for performance is a great idea. I'm a fan of that. Even in the Acura NSX, I love the idea. Um, but, uh, uh, the original idea was like, hey, let's do a turbocharged V6. And Aston Martin said, no, we're all about the 12-cylinder. We've got to do a 12-cylinder. That's what people love about our supercars and our DB11s and stuff. They, I, I just drove the the Vantage. Uh, I just drove the Vantage V8, but um, uh, which was fantastic. It's the Mercedes AMG source twin turbo V8. Um, but they want to do a 12. So they hit up uh, Cosworth. They said, develop uh, uh, a V12. They're going to do a naturally aspirated V12 that's going to produce 1,000 horsepower on the engine alone. And they're doing it is... <laughs> wow. It is... It's going to be a... Th- oh, my God. 1,000 horsepower at 10,500 RPM, and it'll probably have a, a rev limit of about 11,200 RPM and fuel cutoff at 11,004. So now we're in F1 territory. It spins so fast, uh, like an F1 engine, that you can't do uh, uh, chains or belts on the cams. You've got to do it gear. Um, the, the original instruction was it needed a way... 441 pounds total, fully dressed. They got close. It's 454 pounds, but that's fully dressed. And the only reason why is because they actually needed to move the the cam gears because it's a gear drive system to the back of the engine. Because uh, imagine a, a rear engine car and the front accessories would be like right at the back of your head. And they said it was too loud. So they had to move it to the back, and that added a few pounds. Um, but they're really nitpicking. So in the article that I read, they're saying that it has a carbon fiber uh, air box on it, like almost like a, a upper intake manifold. And it has um, an optional lacquer finish to make it shiny. But if you don't want the lacquer finish, it saves 2.8 ounces. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, but uh, uh, this thing is going to be impressive um uh i think they need to come up with a new word for this thing as i'm looking at it on youtube yeah you know visually it reminds me of uh the 4gt because it looks like it's an aero car because it's a formula 
inspired, but yeah. Jesus Christ, what's the price point on this thing? I don't know. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be like a limited. I don't know how many they're gonna make a hundred or something like that. And I'm sure it's gonna be um, uh, in the in the millions in the one point five to four range or something. I couldn't say for sure. Um, I bet it's more. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be impressive. But so their big thing was, hey, we're developing this engine. It's a thousand horsepower, um, but it's gonna have the reliability. Uh, it's going to meet the reliability standards of all the streetcars. It's going to do, I don't know, 100,000 miles or something like that. So um, I wonder what the weight difference is. Just goofy uh, question between this and the elephant. Oh, it's going to be a huge, huge difference. I know. I'm just curious yeah. to see how much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at least 100 pounds. Yeah. Yeah, probably 100 pounds. So this is what we know. It's it's um it's going to be six and a half liters. It's going to be a sixty five degree angle between the cylinder banks. Um, it's going to have titanium connecting rods and pistons have been milled from a solid material, um, which is going to be uh, pretty interesting. And uh, you know the 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 gearbox suspension is all really just inspired from Formula One racing, and it's attached to. Uh, uh, it's good. I, I'm guessing it's probably aluminum front and rear subframes attached to a carbon fiber uh, monocoque. I mean, why reinvent the wheel? Just yeah. bring their technology to the street and you know charge millions, make a limited edition, and there you go. It's not the first time it's happened. It's it's very exciting though. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um. Uh, anyway, we gotta we gotta give up this studio in a couple minutes. Um. Uh, let's, uh, let's, let's check in with, um, with Alistair real quick while we're getting Alistair on the line. I'll tell you guys about the Nissan GTR 50 by Ital Design. Um, we saw this car at Monterey at the Rolex Historics. Um, it's this limited version of, of the, the Nissan GTR. It's going to cost a million bucks. It was supposed to be a million bucks, but it's going to be 1.1 million. And I wasn't sure if it was going to have some extra power or anything like that, but uh, turns out it is. It's going to have an extra 110 horsepower and 94 pound-feet of torque. It's kind of crazy looking. Um, I don't know if it's just the weird colors that they're using for it, but this GTR 50, um, I'd be curious to see without the wacky colors, like what can we do to 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 make it a little more conventional, but... Um, uh, it should be uh, it should be interesting. They're only making a handful of these things. Um, they're making fifty of them for the world. They're going to be one point one million dollars. We saw it at Monterey. It is pretty cool. We saw the like black and gold or the brown and gold one. Um, it's uh, I don't know. It's a pretty big jump in price. <laughs> you know, if they said, "Hey, the car's a uh, hundred twenty grand, and the new one's going to be you know a hundred and fifty grand or." 200 grand or 300 grand I, I could see it but uh 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 we'll we'll find out all right so i think we've got alistair on the line yeah so you want to press four and then five all right hold on guys hello hello good morning how are you good how are you buddy i'm good i'm good just leaking on hello, sir. 
Uh, all right. Sorry, so uh, uh, that's Goldberg saying hello. He's he's on the other line. We're actually just uh, wrapping up. Um, we've got guys lining up for the studio here. So, um, But uh, we wanted to check in with you and get an update on uh, how'd your RAV4 cross-country 48 contiguous states go? Did the, did the weather pan out? Uh, we just dodged the storm the whole way, which was great for us, probably less good for the story. We needed a bit of jeopardy, and I was kind of hoping we'd be held up for a few hours, but we... So the, the reality is we crossed the line yesterday. Uh, I've got some stats here. A total of six days, six hours, 41 minutes of uh, pretty much continuous driving, stopping only for, uh, for a pee and a bit of food. Mm-hmm. Uh, 7,100 miles, 14 drivers, uh, average of 27.8 miles a gallon, no breakdowns. But, uh, yeah, great, great, great adventure. 15 people giving it their all. I did the first 30 hours from Maine down to... South Carolina, an hour and a half sleep in the back of the car, but uh, yeah, great, great fun, and uh, you know we wanted to set out to do the ultimate review, and and that's what we did. And at some point down the line, you had to switch from the regular tires to the snow tires or the all-season tires or something like that. Like, I mean, you were you were trying to show the various things that needed to happen or should happen uh, for for safety and things like that, right? Yeah, that's right. We actually hooked it with, with Tyrac and one of their mobile engineers. So in, as we were starting to cross the Dakotas, and I mean, if you think about especially this time of year, a good 40, well, no, more than that, probably 60% of the journey was in, in icy, snowy conditions. So we actually strapped on some, some winter tires um, about halfway through as we headed up towards the Dakotas. And, and that made a big difference. There were a couple of nights where we were literally driving all the way through the night on snow and ice. Um, and it was amazing what a difference that made going from standard road tires into, into the winter stuff. Do you have any complaints about the vehicles or anything that you think should be changed or, or unacceptable? Or, or what's your overall feeling? I mean, it, firstly, the reliability was faultless, which was great. And, and this was an early pre-production uh, press loaner, basically. So, uh, so that was impressive. The engine is probably the, the RAV4's weak point, uh, two and a half liter four non-turbo. Fuel economy is okay, but it, it just doesn't sound good. It, it, it's quite um, unrefined. There's quite a lot of vibration when you really lean on it. Uh, and with three, three people and, and some luggage, we, you, know, you end up working it quite hard. Um, there's decent space inside. Uh, the interior is a huge step forward from the old model, but to be honest, that's not, that's not really saying much. Um, I mean, overall, we like it. Uh, it was a great test of having all sorts of different people through the car um, and different different opinions on, you know, a lot of people found the passenger seat quite uncomfortable because you sit quite high and there's not a lot of adjustment. Um, but overall, it made it. And uh, yeah, it was a great, great team adventure. So you guys did over 7,000 miles with 15 drivers. And now what? Dan Edmund drives it back? <laughs> Dan Edmonds was the only guy. So I did, I, everybody did a leg, which is basically 30 hours. Yeah. Um, so I did the first one, and I'll be honest, I kind of got out, and I, I had one hour sleep. I was a little bit angry. I was living off Monster Energy things, <laughs> um, and, and I, was, I was a bit over it. Dan did two, two legs back-to-back, 60 hours, and Dan is, a, like me, a six-foot-four guy. Yeah. I mean, he loves it, but even so, I, I spoke to him on Sunday when he was about 50 hours into his journey, and it did sound broken. Really? Because he was tweeting out, he's like, I can't wait to do this again. We need to do it all the time. <laughs> I'm like, sure, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that's great in hindsight, and we'll all think it was the greatest event yeah. of all time, but uh, uh, you it was pretty tough going when you read it. 
You should have told him, uh, bring this back to Maine, Dan. Turn around and go back. <laughs> we'll see you in six days. You got to beat the record with 15 people. You got to do it by yourself. <laughs> um, all right, guys, we're, uh, we're, we're running out of time here. Um, I'm going to tell you guys about, uh, about Dodge. This winter, tell Jack Frost to eat snow. Muscle up in a Dodge all-wheel drive vehicle and hit the road in a ride so powerful it makes ice shiver. Hurry into your local Dodge dealer now for great deals on the Dodge Big Finish sales event. Uh, all right, guys. Um, uh, Alistair ho, ho, Weaver. Go. <laughs> ho, ho, go. There you go. Check out those uh, commercials. You're seeing them playing everywhere. You're going to follow it on social media as well. Goldberg's social media is Goldberg and Goldberg Garage on Twitter and Goldberg95 and Goldberg's Garage on Instagram. Check those out. You'll see those Dodge clips. They're, they're great. They're fun. You can follow me at Motorator. And, uh, and, of course, Edmunds.com. If you go to Edmunds.com, I'm going to take a guess here. Edmunds.com slash road noise. Does that sound right? That's the one. That's the one. Check that out. You guys can see the RAV4 out there. And you can follow Alistair. You can follow uh, Weaver Alistair on Instagram and Alistair Weaver on Twitter. Uh, and, of course, CarCast Show. All the shows are up there. Tell a friend. If you like it, tell a friend. Give us a nice review. We love that. Um, all right, guys. Thank you so much. And we'll, we'll chat. I think we're doing one more next week before we uh, before we hit the holiday break. Let's do it. All right. Okay. Uh, thanks, guys, so much. And until next time, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. Rum, rum. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Superlight Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Superlight Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And, because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.